You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Here's what I want to do for us uh, today, just to make sure we're all on the same page. And I have no idea where you're at on Zoom. You could be anywhere right now. Uh, and, uh, but I want to help us to kind of get a little bit reoriented where we are in this series so we can know where we are going. Really, it's, uh, it's another week in this amazing book, one of my favorite books of all times, uh, one of, honestly, you know, the way that people have written about this book, it's, it's one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written. It is the book of Ephesians. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, if you haven't been here throughout the, the whole series, you might have missed earlier chapters and verses and things like that. And you may feel yourself a little disoriented as you just parachute into the message today. Um, Last night, uh, it was really interesting. Jessica went to go pick up some Thai food for us uh, from this uh, restaurant called Little Bangkok. It's uh, right across the street from us, okay? And uh, on her way to getting this food, she must have tried to put her phone in her pocket, something like that, and it fell out of her pocket at some point. And so she's actually trying to put our daughter to sleep and, uh, you know, the whole bedtime routine, and she realizes her phone is missing. So I ask her, I say, hey, um, well, why don't you just, just tell me your exact path between our house and the restaurant, and I'll go and look for your phone. Uh, so she says, okay, yeah, you know, I crossed over on Kyle, and I went up the street by it's my party shop, and crossed, crossed across the street, went by the art center, past Vashti Rose, past uh, Golfies, right, past the shell, and, <laughs> and then I found myself, I, you know, I went, and she's describing this whole path, I'm like, Oh man, okay, right? <laughs> where, where, are, like, and so I'm trying, trying, and I walked that same path over and over and over again. Couldn't find it for like maybe 35 minutes. And you know these phones, they're so expensive. I know we all got an extra iPhone kicking in our, uh, you know, our drawer somewhere. But you know, this was an i, like she, she's never had like a really nice iPhone. This iPhone 8, it was like the best she ever had. And I was like, I need to find this for her, right? <laughs> So anyways, retracing our steps, I actually don't end up finding the phone. Uh, and, and the reason why was because I actually, I, I didn't walk on the right path, <laughs> right? I, I wasn't looking in the right place. She ends up going out. She knows her exact steps. Uh, and uh, it's funny, we're on find my phone on my computer. All of a sudden I realized the phone has moved from St. John's up to the Kyle Center. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's up at the Kyle Center now. Goes to the Kyle Center, she meets this guy named Chris who's staying in the warming center there. He gives her the phone back. And anyways, we got it back. Here's the point I'm making. Retracing our steps is very important. Knowing where we've been Knowing where we have been is so key to know where we are, right? Uh, knowing where, where, where we have been in these past weeks is so important to know where we are right now. So here's where we've been. Paul wrote this book called Ephesians. It was written to a, a group of people who lived in Asia Minor. He, in the opening chapters, is speaking to a number of different things. He's speaking to who Jesus is, 
what Jesus has done, and who we are. It, it speaks much to our identity in Christ, and so we sent much of the, the false speaking to this new identity. We've been talking about the fact that we are saints and that we are chosen and that we are united, that we are one, that we belong, that we are loved, right? Uh, that we are wise in Christ. We've we spent weeks and weeks and weeks going through these different realities that are coming out in these early chapters about who we are. And last week, and this is retracing our steps, last week we found ourselves in a transition moment. It's not that Paul isn't going to speak to our identity anymore, but what he's going to say is, is, friends, I want you to live in light of this new reality. It's a transition moment. Therefore, in light of all of this, now I'm calling you to live in line with it, right? And, the, and this is what he did. And so he said, therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity in the spirit of the bond of peace. And he says, there's one Father, there's one God, there's one Lord, there's one Spirit, there's one baptism. There, and he says, there's one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. And now we get into our verse. <laughs> and so I, 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 hope, I hope I've helped us get a little bit of the lay of the land. And now he begins to speak of the outworkings of the things he spoke about in the earlier chapters, specifically on the, the, the topic of what it means to be one, what it means to be unified, what it means to be the body of Christ, the body of Christ, and, and the unique giftedness of the body of Christ, and how we're actually supposed to use those gifts uh, to build up his church. And so if you're willing and able... Six-minute intro to get to this point. Boy, I, I, I got to speed up. Uh, if you're willing and able, will you please stand in honor of God's word, the most important words you're going to hear today, uh, as we read what Paul says about who we are called to be as the church. So he says, however, it's verse 7, he's given each one of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives. He gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is also the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens. So that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. 
As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God, thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, I believe that you inspired these words that were written, written from the pen of Paul in a prison cell to a group of people in Ephesus. But God, as you inspired them then, they were inspired then, they're inspired now. I pray that they would speak to your church today and that we, Lord, would live in light of them. That God, we, Lord, would live in light of who we are. Uh, and so help us to do this today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You may be seated. Here is the title for this week's message. And the title's different than the big idea, but it's the title in the Ephesians book. And it's this idea that you are gifted. You are gifted. Did you ever want to be gifted? I remember back when I was uh, in middle school, they had this gifted program, right, for certain kids. And the kids were, you know, they, the, the kids who get in the gifted program, uh, they, they either like really bragged about it, like they're like, yeah, I'm gifted, right? And they would like go around or they would be kind of ashamed of it because it meant they were kind of nerdy or whatever, right? But I remember I always wanted to, like it was like, oh man, I wish I was as smart as those kids that I could be called gifted, I remember at the same time uh, when I was in middle school, it was right around that exact time that uh, all the Harry Potter movies started coming out. Uh, and uh, I know for those of you who grew up in the church or were homeschooled, that it's pretty much illegal to watch Harry Potter, right? <laughs> it's like, that is contraband. But I grew up as pagan as pagan as they come, right? Like so much so my grandma, my Scottish granny would take us to the premiere of each movie, okay? Uh, and uh, we would be there like straight up, like dressed up and everything and robes and all this kind of stuff. But I remember watching that first Harry Potter movie and I've been re-watching them recently. Like the nostalgia is thick, right? It's just, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, Harry gets this letter in the mail. The boy who lived under the stairs, in the cupboard under the stairs. He gets this letter in the mail uh, that, that's telling him that he's been accepted into this school of witchcraft and wiz wizardry, that he is gifted, that he is special, that he is not a nobody. Perhaps you couldn't relate with the first two examples here, uh, being in the gifted program or wanting to get into uh, the school of witchcraft and wizardry. I remember when I was 12, I looked in the mail, I did not get the letter. I was very disappointed, right? <laughs> Perhaps you can't relate with that, but here's what I think we can all relate with. We can all relate with the sense of wanting to know that we have purpose, wanting to know that we have something to contribute, wanting to know that we are part of something. I think deep down inside, we're all looking for that, that we want to know that we belong, that we have a purpose, that we can fit and we can contribute. And so here's the good news for you today in light of this text. You, you have been gifted. You belong. You fit. You are part of something that is greater than yourself. And Paul is speaking to this reality and he's asking us to live in light of it. My big idea for us today is this, that Jesus has generously gifted you to equip and build his church so that we would grow up. 
Jesus has generously gifted you to equip and build his church so that we would grow up, that we would mature, that we would mature. And so there's a lot going on in this text. I want to break it up into just a few different sections. First, I want to speak to the fact that that Jesus is generous, that Jesus is a generous God. Secondly, I want to speak to the fact that you have been specifically gifted for a purpose and a reason, to equip or to build his church. And, and lastly, you have an important role to play in all of this, that you actually have a role to play when it comes to the church, no matter who you are, no matter what's going on. This guy's trying to enter in through a weird door over here. Uh, and uh, you, you, have, you, you are gifted. You're gifted. So let's talk about this first idea, that Jesus is generous. Jesus has generously given you gifts. Jesus is a generous God. You know, here's what it says in the text. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Do you believe that? That Jesus is a generous God that he generously gives to his church? Consider for the, a moment the gospel story that we believe. We believe this, that God is the giver of life and breath and everything. He's the giver of life and breath and every, everything. And, and he, he has given us life and breath, as Acts chapter 17 says, in him we live and move and have our being. He is also the God who generously has given his one and only son. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And, and then we see that, that Jesus actually is so generous, not that he would just, you know, give us his presence, but he also, in, in just incredible generosity, uh, uh, forgives us of our sins. He's giving us grace and mercy and kindness. And finally, what we see is that Jesus, because of his forgiveness for our sins, because he died and because he rose, he gives us new life. But not only does he give us new life, he gives us, when he ascends and goes back to God, the Holy Spirit, the very presence and person of God who lives and dwells among us. And that person is so generous that that not only is it amazing that we could actually be a temple for the Holy Spirit, But that very person generously gives us gifts. Gifts, and and, you know, here he he lists a few of them. He says apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But there's more than 19 spiritual gifts listed throughout the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans chapter 12, and and also in in one of Peter's letters as well, in chapter 4. It speaks to all these various gifts, 19 different gifts that you can find that have been given to the church. Our God generously gives to us. And Paul, um, what he tries to do in this text is he uses this psalm, this old psalm in Psalm 68, and he paraphrases it to speak to the fact that Jesus is so generous to us. Here's what he says. It says, um, this special gift was through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. What is this psalm talking about? This psalm was talking about how God would ascend the Mount of Zion. He would bring with him captives. He would receive gifts. 
But what Paul is actually illustrating through pointing at this psalm was actually a common practice in that day of kings. When kings would win a war, they would return back to their kingdom. They would ascend their throne. The captives, those who, who, who were, were caught uh, like post-battle, would come with him carrying gifts. They would lay the gifts down at the feet of the king. And then what would the king do? The king would take those gifts and distribute them throughout the kingdom. Hey, sh- hey guess what? Shepherds, you get more sheep. Uh, right? And uh, th- those of you guys who are in the trades, here's some more tools. And uh, this gold, we're going to, you know, redo the temple. And they would, he, the king would take the gifts, the bounty from his victorious win over another nation, and he would distribute them, distribute them to his people. Paul is illustrating for us something profound about who Jesus is. The victorious King Jesus his victory over sin and death and hell and, and all of our brokenness, when he ascended back to his throne and the captives came and they brought gifts, he deserved all of it. He deserved it all. Rather than keeping it to himself like the kings of old, he distributed it to his people generously, generously giving to them. This is, this is what Paul is telling to us is that Jesus is the king. He ascended to his throne and rather than keeping all of the glory and all of the gifts and all the things he was supposed to receive to himself, he is now distributed and giving gifts to his people, to his church. How incredible. It says he's ascended higher than all of the heavens to fill the entire universe with himself. I don't even know fully what that means, but I love it. Right? It's like, he's like, he has ascended, right, higher than the heavens, filling the whole universe with himself. He's giving gifts to his people. Jesus is incredibly, incredibly generous. And because he's given us gifts, here's the reality that I spoke to earlier. You were gifted. You've received a gift from God. You actually, you, when, he, when he says you, right, he says, look, look what he says here in the text. He says that, that he has given to each one a special gift. He's given to each one. When it says each one, he means everyone. He means you. He means that he has given a gift to you to use in the church. When we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God gives gifts as he wills, and he has not excluded anyone from that reality. Daryl Johnson puts it this way, says, each and every one of us whom Jesus has called to himself has been given grace to function in and contribute to the new society Jesus is bringing about in the world. We have been graced by Jesus Christ to be full partners with him in the kingdom of God. Each and every one of us whom Jesus has called has been given grace to function in and contribute in this new society. You've been gifted, you've received something, you can contribute, you can play a part. I wonder if you remember, um, if you read the books, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, or you saw the movies at the very least. 
Remember this scene. And we've just walked through Christmas, and so maybe that's why it was fresh on my mind. But you'll remember the scene that, that after they've been to the beaver's house, the children, uh, you know, Ed, uh, Edmund wasn't there. He, he liked Turkish delight a little too much. Uh, but sorry, Peter, Susan, and Lucy had just been to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver's house. And as they leave the house, suddenly Father Christmas, Santa Claus, arrives on the scene. And he begins to distribute gifts. Uh, you know, to Mrs. Beaver, he gives a new sewing machine. To Mr. Beaver, he says, I've repaired your dam. And then he comes to Peter. He says, Peter, and he, he gives Peter a sword. And he gives him a shield. And he comes to, to Susan. And he gives Susan uh, a bow and arrows and a horn. And he gives to Lucy a small vial of healing potion, uh, as well as a dagger to defend herself. And uh, he says this line. He says, children, these are not toys. These are tools. And, and, and it is the same with Jesus. He has generously given us these gifts. These gifts are not toys. They are tools, tools to build his kingdom, tools to build and equip his church. And Jesus has given you a gift. Well, what are the gifts that he speaks to in this text? He names a couple of them, uh, really specific ones that he, he barely mentions or lists anywhere else. Here's what he says. He says, first, uh, it, these gifts are given to the church. It says, now these gifts that Christ gave to the church are this, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. There's five. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build his church, the body of of Christ. He starts with these fundamental and formative persons who are gifted to invest into and give their lives to serving and building into the people of God. He starts with the apostles. What is an apostle? It's a sent one. Apostles are sent to start new works, break new ground, and lay foundations sometimes theological, for the church. These can be uh, theological foundations. These can be missional direction. Uh, these original apostles were tasked with expanding the church and giving a foundation for these new communities to build upon, right? And so Paul was an apostle. Each of the 12 were apostles, and they went to various regions and places and did this very work. Secondly, he speaks to the prophets, Here's what prophets are. Prophets are those, are, are, are ones through whom Jesus speaks further revelation about who he is. And at times the, the Spirit speaks through words or things that these people see. Or he gives, he gives direct commands to his church and to his people. And yes, there are still prophets today. People who hear from God and speak and speak in light of what he is saying. These people are found in both the Old Testament, but also the New. Then he talks about evangelists. Evangelists, they, this, the word here, it's, it's a good news bringer. Those who bring the good news to people, to neighborhoods, uh, to cities who have not heard about Jesus. These are people who are specially gifted in sharing about who God is to those who do not believe. Uh, and and, and these, these types of people, they help people move from here to there in their faith. They help them move from a place of non-belief to belief. These 
evangelists have been given to the church. Then he says, pastors. These, these are shepherds who care for the flock. But more than that, if you think about it, shepherds, in, in a way, are almost running a business. They're guiding their sheep from hill to hill. They're finding food and resources. They're checking for wounds and disease. They're guarding. They're warding off predators. They're shearing and selling wool. Uh, they're, they're milking the, the sheep. It, it's a highly administrative role. It's a caring role. It is an oversight role. It is a, it's a tending to role. It's far more than just watching. In watching and you know oftentimes our depictions of shepherds just sitting on a hillside playing their flute for their sheep laying nearby sleeping and not wandering it's it's a it's hard work it's caring for the flock and then he lists teachers these are those whose job it is to bring the church back to the truth of the gospel Teachers spend their time pouring over the text, pouring over the Bible to help the church know and live out this new reality that we have in Christ. And so here's the, these five. And like I said, these are not the only five, but these five have a specific and particular role that we see in this text. Their role is this. Their responsibility, it says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. There is an equipping nature to these particular roles in which they build into the body. Uh, and so they equip the body, that is the people of God, everyone and anyone who attends and is part of a local church, in order that they too can find their place, serve God, and build his church. Build his church. And so this, this isn't just about these, you know, these roles that, to be honest, sound like paid positions in churches, don't they? We've, we've made these into uh, paid professional roles in the modern church. And these roles still exist today, but these were actually initially gifts that were given to the church to equip the church not to do all of the work of the church, but to actually help the church build the church. It's a lot of church. <laughs> um, and so here's what I want to remind you guys. The building of the church is not just my job. It isn't just Nathan's job. It's not just our elders' job. It's not just for paid professionals. But these people who embody maybe some of these roles, they're their existence is in order that you might flourish, that you might contribute, that you might build into the church. This is why here at CA Church, we encourage uh, everybody, everybody to serve. We used to have a goal that, that everyone would be serving and flourishing, using their gifts in some capacity to contribute towards the life of the church. Because this isn't about professionals. This is about everyone. You have an important role to play to build his church, and to mature Jesus' church. You see, um, Paul uses this language of the body of Christ. If you were here in our pre-service huddle, I talked about the body of Christ. And in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the body and how it has many parts, and each different part has a different role to play in the body. Not everyone can be an ear, an eye, a nose, a hands, feet, fingers, hearts, lungs, blood. We, we cannot be everything. But we can be something, and we can contribute to some part. And like in every body, 
Each part has a particular role or gift to contribute to make the whole thing work. Without lungs, our muscles couldn't receive oxygen to function and work. Without the heart, blood couldn't flow. Without the brain, we couldn't speak or move. Each part has a special gift to contribute to the whole. And when one part is not working or contributing, the whole thing is negatively affected. So I have a condition called uh, Addison's disease. And uh, in essence, it's adrenal insufficiency. Your adrenals, uh, they sit on top of your kidneys, almost like little hats, all right? My adrenal glands, they don't work. The, what adrenal glands do, they produce cortisol, which is a stress uh, steroid. And if you're a nurse or a doctor, I apologize, but this is my best understanding, okay? Uh, <laughs> right? But it's a, it's a, it, they produce stress hormones to deal with emotional, mental, and physical stress that your body faces. Uh, and so if you ever see me just kind of starting to like glaze over and whatever, it's probably because I haven't taken enough medication I'm, I, and I can't compensate for the stress. But it's interesting. This was eight years ago, okay? Eight years ago, I began to lose a lot of weight. I was down to 120 pounds, uh, right? Which is almost next to nothing for a guy of my stature at this time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's and I was down to 120 pounds. I felt like I, every time I was going to stand, I felt like I was going to faint. I lost my appetite. And eventually I end up in the hospital and they diagnose me with this condition. The doctor looks at me and he says, listen, if we didn't catch this, you would have died. And I thought, wow, the adrenal glands, these tiny little organs that just sit as hats on top of your kidneys, have such a significant and important role to play that even if just those one, that one organ is not functioning, the whole body begins to deteriorate and die. This is why Paul is, is speaking to the importance of the, the fact that, that you are part of the body of Christ, that you are called to contribute, that you have an important role to play in building his church. This is not the job of a few, but the job of all of us. This is why when we were launching Rail City, I didn't just go, okay, where's my apostle? Okay, where's my prophet? Right, where's my evangelist? Where's my teacher? And, and okay, I've got the five. I've got the five, we're good. We're ready to launch. Why, that's why I sat down with many of you for coffee and we went on walks and we did phone calls and Zooms and things like that because the body needs all of us. It needs all of you to contribute and be a part of what we're doing here. This is more than just about me and Nathan and Paul and the others who work in our church. It's about you to contribute. If one part is not doing its job, it can kill the whole body. We need you to fully function. We need you to be the church. And I, I'll be honest, it's been really refreshing and encouraging this last season to work with you. And those of you who are on Zoom, who served and helped and have contributed. It's been really, really cool to see people who in our, in our community who formerly... Uh, your spiritual gift might have been just pew warming, right? <laughs> you just came to church and you attended, right? And that was it. And now you've come to Rail City and, and all of a sudden I see you, you're, you're greeting and you're connecting and you're, you're helping with kids. You're playing on the worship team for the first time. Uh, you, you're serving, you're making coffee, you're praying for people. Uh, you're you're, you're uh, building into the lives of kids and children. You're contributing 
in, in an incredible way. It's been so refreshing. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Nathan and I were preparing a list of everyone who served at Rail City this fall. And that list was upwards of 70 people. Our regular attendance is like 90 to 115, okay? Uh, that, that is an incredibly high number of people contributing and being part of the body. Thank you. Can I just stop and say thank you? Thank you for using your gifts. Thank you for serving. Thank you for showing up at 7.30 in the morning on rainy and dark and dreary days that we've had this fall. Thanks for using your gifts. Thanks for building his church. Thank you for making this something that was more than just about me. Thank you for contributing. This text actually comes to, to life as I was reading it. This isn't just talking about nameless faces, but I see your faces. I see how you have built this church. And I'll tell you right now, I know we're facing some strange and weary and hard days. And uh, there are many who are normally part of this community who are not in our midst right now. And there's some, uh, some and you know, and yet I want to encourage us, I want to encourage us to not stop building, to not stop building, to not stop investing, to not stop giving. This is who we are called to be. I talked about this in our, our huddle. We do not um, just simply attend church. We are the church. We don't just serve at church. We actually, like, we, we functionally are the body of Christ giving to the church. He uses this term in this text multiple times, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Is, it is the body of Christ. As you serve and you use your gifts... As you pray for someone, as you care for kids, as you set up chairs, as you connect with someone who's new, you do all the various roles as you are mixing sound and signing into Zoom <laughs> and changing the slides and everything, big or small. We, we are not just building the church physically, but we actually are the very body of Christ. We are the living, breathing moving organism of, of this person, Jesus Christ, who the text says is our head. He is the head of the body. And so we are the physical and real material living representation of Jesus Christ on this planet, in this city. It is more than chairs. It is more than switches. It is more than singing songs. We are Jesus and I know that's like, it's, it's hard to even wrap our head around manifested here on earth, the very body of Christ functioning and working and living and serving in our midst each and every Sunday and in our community groups throughout the week. And as we serve, we are actually representing and we are Jesus living and breathing today. I'll let you wrap your head around that. And so here's the call for us. And I think this call is specific to our community. And so if you're joining us today, you're a visitor. Joining us today, you normally go to Mariner. Uh, it, it, hopefully this is an encouragement for you, but it's specifically for us. Here's what I think this text is specifically saying to us as a congregation. We have done a fantastic job of literally building the church. Like 
every Sunday this past fall, like actually putting together the stage, like actually physically building the church, setting up the chairs, putting up the pipe and drape. Like we, we've done an incredible job at, at physically building a church. But what Paul is calling us to next is this, is that we would help her mature, that we would help her grow, that we would begin to build in a different way, in a different way. What's that different way he's calling us to build? He's calling us to build into one another, into each other's lives, to help one another mature and grow up. And there's a few different ways he's calling us to do that. He's calling us to now build into one another's lives unity. We've spoken much to this, but I want to hit on it quickly. I'm charging you to guard unity, especially in a time of so much disunity. That you would be someone who listens and forgives and honors and chooses people over politics or policy. That you would, you would live out much of what we spoke to last week, humility, gentleness, patiently putting up with each other because of your love. That we would, that we would begin to build our unity. Secondly, he talks about building our knowledge of the Son of God. That we would, some of you have walked with the Lord for many, many years. Many years. You have a deep and rich relationship with God. You have a deep understanding of the scriptures. You've heard more sermons than I've preached. We're now called in this next stage to begin to build into our lives. There's people around you who are young believers, who are new believers, people who don't know the things that you know, haven't had the experiences. The call for you now is to build into one another the knowledge of the Son of God, to, to help those in our midst to mature and grow in their faith and their knowledge of Jesus, to invite a young man or a young woman to coffee or lunch or a walk or to a Bible study or to a phone call to start a community group and begin investing into the next generation. He's calling us now to not just physically build a place to gather on Sunday, but into one another's lives and that knowledge of the Son of God, as this text says. Also to sanctification. Uh, he, he says this, instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. He's calling us to mature in, in, as a body that we would actually represent. Uh, we, we know we are the body of Christ, but we'd actually become more and more like Jesus in the way that we act, in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we serve. Some of you may have noticed behaviors or attitudes or actions happen in front of your eyes through other members of the body, and you said nothing. We're called to speak the truth in love to one another to help each other grow. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, many times I can think of, of uh, how the Spirit has sanctified me through truthful statements that were said in love to me. Hey, Cam, I, I really care about you, but I noticed this. I think you need to work on this. Hey, I want what's best for you, and I, I, realized, I realized something the other day. I, th I want to encourage you in this. Or Jessica, she's very good at this. <laughs> she, sees my, she sees, you know, my blind spots. Or she'll be part of a conversation and says, I, I think you need to go back and apologize to that person. I think you need to go back and clarify the conversation. He's calling us to sanctification. That we would build into each other's lives. That we'd become more like Jesus. And so church, 
I, I want to end, I guess, with this thought. Is that if we want to be the church of Jesus Christ, like we are, this once again, the identity thing and then the, real, the living out of reality. We are the body of Christ, and here's my encouragement in this season, is that we would act like it. We would act like it. We would not just build the church in a physical way, but we would build into the church, into each other's lives. And that as we did that, we would see us grow up into mature followers of Jesus Christ. And I know we're a young church, so I won't rebuke us for it. We're just, we've just started. But it's time for you to do your part. It's time for you to contribute because you are gifted and Jesus has generously given you a gift to equip and build into his church so that we would grow up. That's, that's our idea for today. I'm going to pray and uh, I'm going to invite up Josh. We're going to take communion together. So Lord, thank you for this word. Uh, thank you for your words. And there's so much in here. I didn't even get to cover uh, much of it. But, but here's the sense that I have, God. You want to awaken us today that our eyes would be opened to see your generosity, to see our giftedness, and, and to believe and know that, God, we are called to contribute, that we have an important role to play in your body today. And so, God, would you help us as a church to live this out? Would you help us as a church to know how we fit Could you help us as a church to not just build the church by setting up chairs and doing all those kind of things? It's beautiful and it's important. But we'd build into one another. And as we did so, God, we would become more and more like you, Jesus. And we would mature and grow up in every way. And as people came to this community, they would say, wow, there's something different that is taking place here. This is unlike any other organization. This is unlike any other institution. This is Jesus' church. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate you, and I love you so, so much. Help us to do this by your Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the rail city campus of CA church.